Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, folks. This is Jovan Hutton Pulitzer, and thank you for joining me today. And today I'm doing a special presentation. I'm going to just give a brief and concise history of free speech in America and why it is so critically important that free speech stay free speech.
Here we are, folks, in 2021, and there's a part of me that hurts that we even have to revisit the topic of free speech in the United States. Who would have thought that by the time we reached the year 2021 that free speech was no longer the thing that many Americans cared about? Now, I can remember being a kid and, you know, thinking about astronauts on the moon and everything cool like that at the time and dreaming about, ironically, 2020, seeing clearly into the future. But I certainly didn't see clearly into where we are today that our young people would not value free speech. And as I've said many times on my program, it's a fairly simple concept to understand that if you steal a man's wallet, you steal his money. You break into his home, you steal his belongings. You steal his car, you've removed his mobility and ability to get around. All of these horrendous crimes you never want to be a victim of. However... If you steal an election, then you can put laws on the books to legally take his money, possessions, restrict his movements, and at the same time rob him of his soul, his freedom, his goals, and his future. And that is why we need to always revisit what it means to have free speech in the United States. I'm going to highlight some of the seminal events in American history, including court decisions that shaped our culture and gave a voice. That's key. Gave a voice to generations that would have otherwise been silenced in public discourse or even erased from history. Isn't it funny now that the very groups that were given the benefits of free speech and making sure they were protected in free speech, that a large segment of that population that was made sure they were protected by free speech now want to control the speech of conservatives and take away their free speech. You have to remember that words are powerful, Words are powerful, and this is why our current system is afraid of you, and you are the army and the weapon for fixing this. See, words are powerful and so powerful, that's why throughout history, kings and tyrants and governments have imprisoned, tortured, and even killed people to maintain control over ideas. However, only through a free clash of ideas do societies enable themselves to pursue truth that can enable we as humans to flourish. We can only flourish in the midst of that class of ideas. It is what pushes us to excel, to succeed, to innovate. And if you suppress that and we stop evolving, it's just like the dinosaurs we become extinct. Now, even before there was an independent America to speak of, our nation built a relationship with 
free speech. It is inherent to our American DNA. You might not know this, but it goes back to 1735. It was called the Zinger case, Z-E-N-G-E-R. And what it did is it abolished seditious libel, which restricted the British government from infringing on our freedom of the press. You see, colonists leverage these newfound rights to utilize words as a check on authority. Think about that. Words as a check on authority. Now, these principles set the stage for the U.S. Constitution and later the First Amendment in the U.S. Bill of Rights, and that was in, of course, 1791. That, in 1791, enshrined freedom of speech in the forefront of the American consciousness and legal foundations. It is inherent to our American DNA. We've spilt precious blood for our freedoms and freedom of speech. Now, of course, the story doesn't really end there. Over the next two centuries from that time, challenges after challenges came up seeking to define this particular freedom, whether it's seditious acts, questions on free speech that would or wouldn't be protected, protests, flag burnings, and countless court rulings. These challenges to the First Amendment and what form its protections should take were defined by understanding we need that clash of ideas to flourish. And that is what helped us continue into the modern day. Now, although the notion of free speech isn't always correctly understood or interpreted, when it's properly exercised and protected, it has an unparalleled ability to affect positive change and elevate a nation. It's ironic that in 2021, the very people saying they want to elevate don't realize that the censorship is going back in time hundreds of years in suppression and it does not elevate a nation. It elevates a certain group of people's ideas, but the very nature of free speech is to have all ideas, to have the free clash of ideas, so that societies can pursue truth that enable human flourishing. Remember, throughout history, kings, tyrants, governments, they imprisoned, tortured, and even killed people to maintain control over ideas. Here we sit as our nation, people imprisoned in Washington, D.C., over what could be said is free speech. So I want to take you through a journey through time and help you understand we've been here before, We've learned from this. We've evolved. And at our very core, 
free speech is paramount. We'll begin in the year 1787 through 1788, and that's when the Federalist Papers were written and published. During the Founding Fathers' debates over how best to structure our new nation's government, the Federalist Papers were the ones which, the, the one outlet where the potential policies were articulated and defended both. Federalist 84 was penned by Alexander Hamilton, opposed what would later become the U.S. Bill of Rights. Hamilton felt the addition of a Bill of Rights was unnecessary as it only gave the people the false impression that the only rights they held were the ones specifically listed in the document. However, eventually the Bill of Rights was created, but as a compromise with Hamilton, the Tenth Amendment specifically notes that all rights not listed remain in the hands of the public. In 1791, the U.S. Bill of Rights is published, and it established the First Amendment and other freedoms for all Americans. You see, the Bill of Rights covers the first ten amendments to the Constitution. At the very beginning of the document, in 45 simple words, it established five fundamental freedoms for all Americans. Freedom of religion. Freedom of speech. Freedom of the press. The right to assemble and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, other rights specifically enumerated in the bill include the right to due process, the right to a speedy trial, and, of course, the right to bear arms. In 1798, the Alien and Sedition Acts passed limiting freedom of speech and the press. Now, the Alien and Sedition Acts were a series of four laws passed by the Federalist Congress and signed into law by President John Adams. While many believed war with France was imminent, the Federalists accused the Jeffersonians of siding with France against the U.S. government. These laws limited freedom of speech and of the press, and included new powers to deport foreigners and restrict their, ad, uh, their activities and make it harder for foreigners to vote. Now, in 1800, 1800 through 1801, President Thomas Jefferson opposed the acts. He allows the Sedition Act and the Alien Friends Act to expire. See, the Sedition Act restricted any speech deemed critical of the federal government, and Jeffersonian newspaper owners who disagreed with the government were often targeted for criminal prosecution. Thomas Jefferson defeated John Adams in the 1800 presidential election at the time, and it was widely believed opposition to the acts helped propel the Jeffersonians to victory. 
The acts were allowed to expire in 1800, that's the Sedition Act, and in 1801, the Alien Friends Act. Now we accelerate to 1915. Sarah Bard Field drove from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. to to deliver a petition signed by 500,000 Americans to present Woodrow Wilson support of women's suffrage. At the Women's Voter Center, the women's suffrage petition was unveiled and Field was selected to drive the petition across the country to deliver it to President Wilson. Now, along the way, she gave speeches and recited poetry to rallies in the public in support of the suffrage position. In 1917, the Espionage Act was passed, imposing a 20-year maximum sentence for anyone causing or trying to cause insubordination, disloyalty, mutiny, or refusal of duty in the United States military or naval forces. See, shortly after the United States entered into World War I, the Espionage Act was passed. Applicable in wartime only, it was designed to protect military operations and recruitment by preventing insubordination in the military, and by restricting all forms of enemy support. That was the rule. Don't support the enemies of America. Now, it limited free speech and imposed stiff jail sentences to anyone found in violation. Now, this one has been heavily contested in court ever since. In 1918, the Sedition Act of 1918. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Targeted anarchist, socialist, and other left wing activists who opposed U.S. participation in War War One. Let me read that to you again. The Sedition Act of 1918 targeted anarchist, socialist, and other left-wing activists who opposed U.S. participation in World War I. The Sedition Act of 1918 was a set of amendments to the Espionage Act, extending that 1917 act to cover a broader 
range of wartime offenses. The Sedition Act severely curtailed negative speech about the U.S. government, its flagged and armed forces, including any speech that cast the government or the war in a negative light. Now, in 1919, we had the Debs versus United States, which was an unsuccessful challenge to the 1917 Espionage Act. The fellow was socialist Eugene Debs. He was a public figure in 1917 who received one million votes in the 1912 presidential election. Now, during a public speech, Debs, a pacifist, encouraged others not to join the military. Debs argued he was constitutionally protected under his free speech rights, but the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the conviction, noting that dissident and dissent was limited during wartime. Now, many consider that decision a low point for free speech protection. In 1919, we had the Schneck versus United States. Now, that's a Supreme Court announcement of the famous, you've heard it, clear and present danger test to determine when a state could constitutionally limit an individual's free speech rights under the First Amendment. See, Charles Schneck and Elizabeth Baer were indicted under the Espionage Act for obstructing recruitment and enlistment services during War War One. The U.S. Supreme Court decision in this case, written by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., established the limitations of free speech in times of war and established the clear and present danger test. In 1929, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. further defined free speech. The principle of free thought is not free thought for those who agree with us, but freedom for the very thought we hate. Think about this. U.S. Supreme Court In 1929, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. further defined free speech as the principle of free thought is not free thought for those who agree with us, but the freedom of thought for the very things we hate. How ironic we are where we are today. See, in the United States versus Swimmer, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that pacifist Rosika Schwimmer could not be denied U.S. citizenship because she refused to personally bear arms to defend the United States. In a historic dissent, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. established many of the fundamental free speech freedoms that are alive today. He emphasized Tolerance for political speech, especially for those who express free thought and speech 
even if it's what we hate the most. Folks, I'm going to continue here in a minute as we roll through the years as I'm taking you on a historic tour of our free speech and where we've been with it. Be right back right after this. to every rapist, domestic abuser, violent criminal thug, and every other monster who preys upon women. Maybe you've heard the stories about millions of us flocking to gun stores and gun ranges for the first time, the second time, and the hundredth time. Here's what that means for despicable cowards like you. Your life expectancy just got shorter. Because there's a very good chance your next target will be armed, trained, and ready to exercise her right to choose her life over yours. This is what real empowerment looks like. Millions of American moms, grandmothers, and professional women taking our lives and our families' lives into our own capable hands. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Over 18.5 million plays. It's Jovan Hudden Pulitzer. Folks, I have one job, and my job is for you, and that is to make you the smartest patriot in the room. At jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com, you will receive the truth that the left does not want you to hear. You will not be banned. You will not be regulated. You will only hear what you need to hear. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com today. They use their media to assassinate real news. They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. They use their movie stars and singers and comedy shows and award shows to repeat their narrative over and over again. And then they use their ex-president to endorse the resistance, all to make them march, make them protest, make them scream racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, to smash windows, burn cars, shut down interstates and airports, bully and terrorize the law-abiding, until the only option left is for the police to do their jobs and stop the madness. And when that happens, they'll use it as an excuse for their outrage. The only way we stop this, the only way we save our country and our freedom is to fight this violence of lies with the clenched fist of truth. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. No, you didn't vote. You thought you voted. All you did was mark a piece of paper with what you wanted to vote, but your vote didn't count then. If you don't know this information, 
How can you change what's going on? Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer is unnerving the left daily as he tells you exactly what you need to hear. You've lost family. You've lost friends over all of this because they said you're a conspiracy theorist. Just go to jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com right now to hear the truth. If you were asked by someone to explain how did the computers rig votes, how did the numbers change, most people would never be able to much less explain it or even understand it. Your eyes just glaze over. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com today. I guarantee you, you will absolutely be the smartest patriot in the room. Every time I hear this beat, there's just something about me that wants to dance across the stage, yell and head out on the highway. But what we are right now, we're on the highway of speech looking at where we've come through time. We started in 1735, now we're up to 1942. It's when we established the fighting words, those are fighting words standard. We've heard that before. Those are fighting words. So let's take a look at 1942 and the landmark case called Shaplinsky versus New Hampshire. And it was the case that established the fighting words standard. Now, it came from Walter Shaplinsky, who was a Jehovah's Witness who was arrested for using the public sidewalk as a pulpit to criticize organized religion. Now, his actions violated at the time a New Hampshire law prohibiting the use of offensive, derisive, or annoying words towards other. Offensive, derisive, or annoying words towards other. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously upheld the arrest, ruling that fighting words or those which inherently cause harm are more likely to create an immediate disturbance and are not really protected under the First Amendment. However, there are subsequent Supreme Court cases we're going to get to that continue to debate what constitutes fighting words. Folks, we've been here before. Let's jump to 1943. It's the West Virginia State Board of Education versus Barnett. Now, it established that students could not be punished 
for refusing to say the Pledge of Allegiance or salute the American flag. How ironic. Now they want to punish people for saying the Pledge of Allegiance and saluting the American flag. We've been here before. But in this particular one, the West Virginia Board of Education required public schools to mandate salutes to the American flag by teachers and students during regular school activities. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court held that this was a violation of individuals' constitutional rights and that such rights should be placed beyond the reach of majorities and officials. If you did not want to pledge to the flag or you did not want to salute the flag, you were given your freedom. Now we have a full turnaround in today's environment where they want to say the flag is bad and take it away. This was hammered out in 1943. This is why history matters. And you have to understand we've been here before. We've already worked it out. In 1951, Justice, you're going to love this name, Felix Frankfurter. Yep, Felix Frankfurter. The demands of free speech in a democratic society, as well as the interest in national security, are better served by candid and informed weighing of competing interest within the confines of judicial process. Let's go over that again. Justice Felix Frankfurter said, the demands of free speech in a democratic society, as well as the interest in national security, are better served by candid and informed weighing of competing interest within the confines of the judicial process. Now, see, in Dennis versus the United States, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld a conviction of 11 communist leaders for conspiring to overthrow the U.S. government under the Smith Act. Justice Felix Frankfurter toiled over speech rights, and he argued that justices are not legislators. He argued that justices are not legislators and proposed a balancing test to weigh the gravity of evil against the justification of infringing upon free speech in order to avoid said danger. Now, in 1957, we had Sweezy versus New Hampshire, and it was defending the principle of academic freedom. See, Professor W. Sweezy was jailed for refusing to answer questions about past university lectures he had given. Now, in this landmark case on academic freedom, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Sweezy, recognized that his due process rights were violated, and that it is necessary for academics, this is ironic, that it is necessary for academics to teach, research, and study without government or administrative interference. In 1958, the NAACP versus Alabama used the First and the Fourteenth Amendment to preserve the privacy of membership list. 
See, the state of Alabama sought to prevent the NAACP from conducting business in the state. And as part of these efforts, the state demanded the NAACP's records, including memberships list, which could be used to intimidate the organization's members and donors. Let's put a pin in it there. Think about the audit in Maricopa and all the lawsuits saying, we want to know everybody who funded this audit. Why do they want stuff like that? Because they want to know who to intimidate and the members and the donors. Again, if you don't understand history, you're doomed to repeat it. And in 1958, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled unanimously that the First and 14th Amendment protected the free association of rights of the NAACP and its members to do business in the state, and that keeping those lists private would guard against threats and retaliation. This critical decision helped keep the civil rights movement alive. That is why today, folks, if you are a patriot, it's reverse, and now we're fighting for our very own civil rights. This stuff has already been decided before, but because we're not teaching history in schools, it's being forgotten. In 1958, in 1958, I want you to pay particular attention to the date, 1958. Now, there was a constitutional protection that was executed then to cover pro-lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender speech and its expression. Of course, it was defined. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Find something else differently then, but it was basically about the gay community. See, historically, the American government had routinely harassed the gay community by labeling their conduct obscene, and they always labeled their gathering riots. Now, there was a, a publication called One Magazine, which catered to the gay community, and it faced pushback both from the FBI and the United States Post Office. And, and in 1954, the Postmaster General declared one of the magazine's issues obscene, lewd, lascivious, and filthy, and refused to mail copies citing what was called the Comstock Act. Although the lower courts sided with the government, in 1958, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned those rulings in One Inc. versus Oleson, becoming the first case acknowledging that First Amendment protections extended to the gay community. You would think that there's been all this suppression on speech. Again, we've been here before. Even the gay community was acknowledged to have their free speech 
as far back as 1958. In 1960, the First Amendment was used to protect the anonymity of writers and publishers. See, Manuel Talley was arrested for distributing anonymous pamphlets that urged the boycott of certain businesses which refused to hire minorities. In Talley versus California, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that a Los Angeles law requiring that the person who published or distributed such pamphlets be named was overbroad and unconstitutional and violated the First Amendment's protections of press and freedom of speech. Remember this. After all, even the Federalist Papers that started all this were written using pseudonyms. Now, in 1963... Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a letter from the Birmingham jail. In the summer of 1963, the civil rights movement was heating up, and an Alabama-based judge issued an injunction against parading, demonstrating, boycotting, trespassing, and picketing. Now, Martin Luther King chose to disobey this ruling, and he had his march anyway, knowing that he would be arrested. While in jail... He wrote his famous essay, Letter from a Birmingham Jail, defending the civil rights movement's tactics and motivations. Now, in 1964, another challenge to free speech came up with the Illinois Supreme Court, where they defined comedian Lenny Bruce's controversial act as social commentary and not obscenity. See, the stand-up comedian Lenny Bruce... I guess you could call him the original shock jock, was arrested numerous times in the 1960s for the use of sexually explicit language during his shows. In 1964, the Illinois Supreme Court ruled that Bruce's comedy routine was social commentary and not obscenity. His legal issues helped elevate First Amendment rights for all Americans and inspire future comedians to challenge Similar, similar social mores and boundaries. But yet today, we have Dave Chappelle and cancel culture trying to attack because he happens to mention transgenderism and they don't like it and they feel offended. But in 1964, this was already protected. Just like here we are today, and we can't even talk about whether we believe an election was stolen or not. This is a regression, folks, why we need to remind everybody we've been here before. Now, in 1964, the U.S. Court, Supreme Court established what was called actual malice. That was the standard in libel law, requiring a higher standard to prove libel and further strengthening free speech rights. See, in the midst of the civil rights area era, the New York Times ran an ad citing police actions in Montgomery, Alabama against civil rights protesters in the South. And they did this salacious story in order to convey the difficulties that protesters often faced. Now, New York Times, think about that. The city of Montgomery was upset and sued the New York Times for libel. Now, a jury actually awarded them $500,000 in damages. But in New York Times versus Sullivan, 
the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously reversed and dismissed the damage award, establishing a higher legal standard of what's now defined as actual malice, which meant that the defendant must either have prior knowledge that a statement was false or to have just blatantly and recklessly disregarded the truth. In 1969, we established the precedent for what's called symbolic speech. The First Amendment protections were extended to cover symbolic speech. Now, after civil rights leader James Meredith was shot during his march against fear, Sidney Street, a Bronze Star World War II veteran, burned an American flag in protest. Now, Street told a small crowd, we don't need no damn flag. He was quickly arrested for desecrating and speaking contempt about the flag. In Street versus New York, the U.S. Supreme Court found part of the law unconstitutional because Street's words were protected, but the action itself of flag burning was left for future Supreme Court considerations. In 1969, in the case known as Brandenburg versus Ohio, the court decided that speech cannot be restricted unless the speaker strives to provoke an imminent and likely violation of law. Let me do that again. 1969, in Brandenburg versus Ohio, the court decided that speech cannot be restricted unless the speakers strive to actually provoke an imminent and likely violation of law. See, how it came about was there was this fellow, Clarence Brandenburg, and he was an officer in the Ku Klux Klan. Now, he was arrested under Ohio's criminal syndication or syndicatalism law for making anti-Semitic and anti-black statements to KK members in front of select media members. The Supreme Court threw out the conviction and established that speech merely advocating violence is protected unless the speech is likely to incite imminent lawless actions. In 1969, the Supreme Court affirmed that public school students retain their free speech rights during school hours. See, in 1965, several students in Iowa planned to wear black armbands to silently protest the Vietnam War. Think of an armband with a peace symbol on it. Now, the school board banned this action and suspended the students when they arrived wearing the armbands claiming the armbands distracted others and could lead to violence. Now, in Tinker versus Des Moines, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled this was a violation of public school students' First Amendment rights, noting that the students do not shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. However, here we are in 2021. How many kids have been expelled for school from wearing a MAGA hat? or wearing now American flag hats. Again, we've been here before and done this. That's what we're talking about. When we get back, I'm going to jump into the 70s 
and wrap this up. I'm just reminding you, free speech. We fought this fought before. And now we have the protected wanting to penalize us, the conservatives. Hang tight. I'll be right back right after this. domestic abuser, violent criminal thug, and every other monster who preys upon women. Maybe you've heard the stories about millions of us flocking to gun stores and gun ranges for the first time, the second time, and the hundredth time. Here's what that means for despicable cowards like you. Your life expectancy just got shorter. Because there's a very good chance your next target will be armed, trained, and ready to exercise her right to choose her life over yours. This is what real empowerment looks like. Millions of American moms, grandmothers, and professional women taking our lives and our families' lives into our own capable hands. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Over 18.5 million plays. It's Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Folks, I have one job, and my job is for you, and that is to make you the smartest patriot in the room. At jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com, you will receive the truth that the left does not want you to hear. You will not be banned. You will not be regulated. You will only hear what you need to hear. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com today. They use their media to assassinate real news. They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. They use their movie stars and singers and comedy shows and award shows to repeat their narrative over and over again. And then they use their ex-president to endorse the resistance, all to make them march, make them protest, make them scream racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, to smash windows, burn cars, shut down interstates and airports, bully and terrorize the law-abiding, until the only option left is for the police to do their jobs and stop the madness. And when that happens, they'll use it as an excuse for their outrage. The only way we stop this, the only way we save our country and our freedom is to fight this violence of lies with the clenched fist of truth. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. No, you didn't vote. You thought you voted. All you did was mark a piece of paper with what you wanted to vote, but your vote didn't count then. If you don't know this information, 
How can you change what's going on? Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer is unnerving the left daily as he tells you exactly what you need to hear. You've lost family. You've lost friends over all of this because they said you're a conspiracy theorist. Just go to jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com right now to hear the truth. If you were asked by someone to explain how did the computers rig votes, how did the numbers change, most people would never be able to much less explain it or even understand it. Your eyes just glaze over. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com today. I guarantee you, you will absolutely be the smartest patriot in the room. We're talking about free speech. We've been here before. We've fought for it. It's been adjudicated. It's established as law. But here, something that started in 1735, we're here in 2021, and our speech is being suppressed, and it's like we're reliving history all over. This is why they don't teach history in school, because if they don't teach it, you don't remember it. And if you don't remember it, they can assert oppression against those they want to oppress. And you're right, if they can oppress it, they can rewrite it, and that's what's going on right before our eyes, is history is being rewritten, and we have a new crop of youngsters that have no idea how much blood, sweat, tears, teeth, and toenails have been put into this process to make sure that we can all speak freely. If you remember at the top of the program, it was vetted a long time ago that we Americans had the right and understanding that only through the free clash of ideas do societies pursue truth that it can enable the human to flourish. Remember, words are powerful, and this is why throughout history, kings, tyrants, governments have imprisoned, tortured, and even killed people to maintain control over ideas. And now today, our young people think that they need to exert control because respecting the flag or the country is racist, and they want to Pune you and your thoughts and force you to think the same way they do. It's exactly what social media is doing. It's exactly the censorship going on. But all of this has been adjudicated before. It started coming undone during the Obama administration. And after two terms of that, it became the norm. And here we are today. 
So I'm giving you a walk down memory lane to understand we've been here before. You even need to remember this stuff. And freedom's not free. Other people walked this before us to guarantee that we could all have free speech. Now, in 1971, the Washington Post began publishing the Pentagon Papers. Now, it was an embarrassing story that was leaked history about the Vietnam War. And all attempts to keep it from getting out failed in court. See, the Nixon administration hoped to restrain the New York Times and the Washington Post from publishing the Pentagon Papers. They were leaked documents that exposed an embarrassing history of the Vietnam War. The Pentagon Papers revealed bombings in Laos and Cambodia and how the Johnson administration had systematically lied to the public and Congress. The U.S. Supreme Court asserted that there is a heavy burden for restraining First Amendment rights and that the government had not met that burden to get it all hidden. Here we are now, our own administration, and now wants to hide everything. This is another way that free speech has been turned on its head. Now, in 1971, well, (laughs) thanks to an off-color statement on a jacket, a symbol on a jacket, that's where we got one man's vulgarity is another man's lyrics. See, Paul Robert Cohen was arrested for the crime of distributing, or disturbing the piece, sorry, for wearing a jacket displaying, fuck the draft. He wore it in the public corridors of a California courthouse. So in Cohen versus California, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Cohen's conviction stating that merely displaying a four-letter word was not sufficient cause for allowing states to restrict free speech. It also noted that free speech may only be restricted in severe circumstances beyond offensiveness. I mean, it goes way too far. Let's look at that four-word criteria. That word back then was fornicating under carnal knowledge. Yet today, where that word is protected and can be said, don't dare say MAGA, because your speech will be restricted. See how these have been turned and flipped? In 1972, the U.S. Supreme Court stated that the the vigilant protection of constitutional freedoms is nowhere more vital than in the community of American schools. That we have to be vigilant about it. See, at Central Connecticut State College, school president Dr. James denied formal university recognition of a liberal student group, Students for a Democratic Society, which had been associated with violence in other campuses. In Healy versus James, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that campuses are not exempt from the First Amendment and that those protections apply with the same level of protections as in the community at large. Okay, I'm going backwards. 1972. They didn't want Democratic student groups 
who had been associated with violence on other campuses, but they were protected. 2021, conservative student groups aren't allowed. They offend people and they are running them off campuses. Let's jump to 1973. There, that's when we dis- established, from a free speech standpoint, the three-prong test to determine what is too obscene to be protected by the First Amendment. This is when it was established. So there was Marvin Miller, who operated a California mail-order business specializing in pornographic films and books, and he sent out promotional brochures graphically depicting sexual activity. In Miller versus California, the U.S. Supreme Court asserted that Miller's expression was utterly without socially redeeming value. In turn, establishing a three-pronged test to determine obscenity going forward, including the criteria that the speech in question lack serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Now, in 1990, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed the flag desecration laws in 48 states by ruling that flag burning does constitute symbolic speech and is therefore protected by the First Amendment. During the 1984 Republic National Convention, Gregory Lee Johnson was arrested for burning an American flag in protest of both administration policies and Ronald Reagan's second term. In Texas versus Johnson, the U.S. Supreme Court found the Texas flag desecration law, and those are for the 47 other states, to be unconstitutional. And it exempted from future prosecution actions that were respectful of venerated objects, ruling that flag burning constitutes symbolic speech and therefore is protected by the First Amendment. However, in 2021, We have cases on the books and incarcerations for Patriots burning, Antifa, and BLM flags, and they were prosecuted. In 2003, Judith Miller, she's from the New York Times, was jailed for 85 days for refusing to give up a confidential source. During a grand jury investigation into a leak about covert CIA agent, the Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times investigative journalist, Judith Miller was jailed for refusing to reveal a confidential source. Although Miller never wrote about the agent, she had evidence relevant to the investigation. Miller argued that she had a First Amendment privilege to not reveal her confidential sources. And in 2006, the Supreme Court ruled that whistleblower speech made by government employees is not afforded the same level of protections as everyday citizens. Now, this one came about when California prosecutor Richard Cabellus alleged employer retaliation over the handling of a search warrant. In Garcetti v. Cabellus, the U.S. Supreme Court decided that First Amendment speech protections do not always apply to government employees' whistleblower speech. The ruling found that these rights are protected when they speak as citizens on public matters, but not when they do so in the course of their official duties. How many times in 2020 and before in the rhetoric we live today have we seen senators and congresspeople calling 
for death of conservatives or confinement of conservatives. But yet, they're allowed to slide. In 2012, the First Amendment was used to strike down a federal law that criminalized false statements over having military medals. There was a fellow by the name of Xavier Alvarez, who was a California man prosecuted under the Stolen Valor Act, a federal law that criminalized false statements about having a military medal. In U.S. versus Alvarez, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a portion of the act ruling that it was unconstitutional under the First Amendment protection of free speech and that it could have achieved the same objectives using less restrictive means. In 2017, a landmark trademark protection case was centering on racial slurs, further defined the parameters of offensive speech. So Simon Tam sought to trademark the name of his band. They were called the Slants. But the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office denied the group's application, claiming that the name was offensive and disparaging to others. Mr. Tam is Asian, by the way. In Matal versus Tam, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that prohibiting the trademark on the grounds was unconstitutional because speech may not be banned on the ground that it expresses ideas that offend. That's in 2017. Look at how much is going on right now in 2021 that people are being banned for expressing ideas that offend others. This is only four years back in our history. And we're not following the Constitution as it has set up free speech. In 2019, there was a trademark rejection of a clothing brand that was ruled unconstitutional because it amounted to a viewpoint of discrimination. Now, Eric Bernetti founded a clothing line called Friends You Can't Trust. Well, he did it in four letters, F-U-C-T, fucked. Friends You Can't Trust, which was originally rejected as a trademark. The U.S. Supreme Court said that the Patent and Trademark Office's refusal to grant scandalous or immoral trademarks under the Lanham Act was unconstitutional under the Freedom of Speech Clause in the First Amendment of the Constitution, noting that such an assessment amounted to, ready for this, viewpoint discrimination. That's only two simple years in our past. Viewpoint discrimination not allowed two years in our constitutional free speech past. We've been here before, folks. Although freedom of speech is not clearly defined in the actual text of the First Amendment, but rather the interpretation, it's been left to the courts to decide what types of speech are protected by law and which are not.
Now, America's quest to become a more perfect nation has never been easy, and there's always been factions within the country that have fought over different things, from abolishing slavery to women's suffrage to civil rights. But yet, because of the power of words and the rights of individuals to speak freely, all citizens, all concerned citizens, have been able to persuade friends and neighbors of the validity of their positions, and that has helped change the course of history. Even today, in many ways, we have flip-flopped from minority views being protected to now that majority views are unwelcome and considered too offensive for public discourse. Fortunately, the First Amendment protections ensure that all viewpoints can be freely explored and communicated without fear of retribution. Many mainstream views today were only supported by a small majority, but free speech allowed them to expand in this marketplace of ideas. And in order to change the hearts and minds on any issues, Americans must be free to share their deeply held beliefs without government interference. The ability to speak up and to challenge established ideas has allowed generations greater representation and empowered them to seek truth and for the betterment of our nations. Where would America be today if the freedom of speech was purely selective, like it seems like, and afforded to some while disallowed for others? I know that's how you feel. What would have happened to all of the minority voices of the past if the ruling powers could legally suppress them from different views? At the most basic level, protecting the freedom of speech, especially for those whose voices we detest the most, which has now become the conservative voice, is why America has come so far and continues to lead the world with its ideals and freedoms. As Benjamin Franklin said, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. Please share this, folks, and thank you for joining me, and tune in to my specials at jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com. Thank you for sharing this program. People are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system. 
to cut, cut the, the crap. crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is, learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut, cut the, the crap. crap. Cut the Crap's not just a radio program, it's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority. And we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Von Hutt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week. And between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut Cut the the crap. crap. Joe!
Our world.